Hello, celestial citizens. I'm Britt Duffy Adkins, and welcome to Continuum. The universe is expanding, and so is the space industry. With all the new developments, announcements, and launches, it can be a lot to keep up with. So we are here to help. Continuum is a news outlet that's making space news relevant for the next generation and boldly challenging the status quo. Whether it's new discoveries and developments in technology or how what we're doing in space affects us here on Earth, we'll cover it all. You can find our stories on our website, continuum-hq.com, and in our Substack newsletter, which comes out every other week. Not only does our newsletter include links to our original features, but it also contains a rundown of some of the top headlines from the week, as well as recommended space reads from around the web. If you want to listen to Continuum Podcast as soon as it hits the airwaves, then you'll want to become a paid subscriber to gain access. For just $6 a month, you can get exclusive space content curated and sent straight to your inbox. Also, you'll help support the work of our team of creatives. You can find links to our website and how to subscribe to our newsletter in the episode description. Whether you're a space enthusiast or just starting to look up at the stars, we'll take the highlights from the week and share them for you here. We are the outlet providing space news for everyone. So without further ado, here's Continuum. Today, we're bringing you something special, our brand new CEO Spotlight series, where we'll introduce you to some of the most innovative and inspiring leaders from across the space industry. In this series, we will be getting to know the people behind the space technology that's shaping the future of our planet and beyond. We'll be sitting down with CEOs from a range of companies and organizations, both big and small to hear about what they're building and how their work impacts the future of space. From rocket scientists to satellite builders and from space exploration to space tourism, we'll be delving into the minds of the people who are driving innovation and pushing boundaries in the space industry. We'll be periodically doing these CEO Spotlight episodes in addition to our regular Continuum podcast episodes. So whether you're a space enthusiast, a budding entrepreneur, or simply someone who's curious about the future of space, you won't want to miss this series. Joining us today is Alusion Taiwo, founder and CEO of Additive Space Technologies, which believes that the future of aerospace requires using additive technologies to rapidly adapt to the current demand and reduce the duration of production cycles. Olu, thanks so much for joining me today and for our inaugural CEO Spotlight series. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate being on today. So let's start at the beginning. What inspired you to start a company focused on additive manufacturing capabilities in aerospace? It came from the opportunity of me getting to be employee number 15 at Rocket Lab. Really early stage on employee, and my job was mainly to use 3D printing and additive manufacturing to make propulsion engines. And so that team over there, we became the first people in the world, really by mass, be able to 3D print an entire rocket engine and have it go to orbit. And I I remember seeing that and being super psyched for it. I was really young in my career at that time. Then I asked the question of, wait, why aren't we doing this for the rest of the vehicle? And, you know, I was kind of hushed at that time. And then as I kind of went through my rocketry career where I got to use additive on even bigger and more complicated engines, you know, that curiosity came to my head. and, And then I realized there's not enough companies actually 
using large-scale 3D printing to actually help make a dent in aerospace and make that process better. And so kind of was born out of like frustration of like, huh, someone else needs to, to come at this problem from a different angle. I mean, you're right. There's only a few companies that really come to mind that are exclusively, I'd say, focused on additive manufacturing. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that part of the industry evolves over time. And of course, recently, Relativity just launched the world's first 3D printed rocket. How do you see that piece of news impacting the future of this particular niche of the industry? I think a lot of people are going to start to feel silly that they didn't like pay attention to Relativity earlier. Great opportunity, great team led by amazing leaders over there. But I think for years, people have been saying this is the kind of change that additive manufacturing could affect into the aerospace industry. And so I think for them being early adopters, it helps companies like mine really get to actually provide value to the rest of the value stream in aerospace. It's possible. It's not a crazy, you know, sci-fi vision anymore. It's reality. That's the kind of things that help us as a company grow and build into being a corporation that can do similar, if not greater things. It's really exciting to think about as someone kind of watching this part of the industry really start to emerge in a strong way. It's very exciting to see where we could be in the next five, 10 years as a result of the work being done today. So tell me a little bit more about Additive Space Technologies. What are you all working on at the moment, you know, with regards to kind of where you are in your development life cycle? And what can we expect to see Additive Space Technologies accomplishing over the next year? So behind me, this is our 20,000 foot factory facility. We just got it. This is like week number two there. And we're, we're literally unboxing our robotics. But effectively, what we're doing with this facility is, is to make a mini Mac factory of the future. We've kind of try to take that problem statement of advancing, let's say, 10, 15 years down the future, right? Humanity is starting to live and work in space. The space industry is starting to trend upwards of that multi-billion dollar, almost trillion dollar industry. And things still have to be get built and designed and, and flown and, and differently, especially in space, due to the fact that you're not going to have like a you know, super large workforce being able to help you build like we do have on Earth. And so our problem statement that what we're doing with additive space technologies is to be one of the few companies to build not only aerospace products, but also entire different infrastructure that humanity is going to need in space. That's our goal. We want to be the first company to 3D print these things and different places around the solar system. But our short-term goal is we're using technology to help us be able to even connect that opportunity of Earth to space, really, right? So we talk a lot about like low-cost launch and things like that, but the world needs less rocket companies and more innovative companies on actually being able to help the affordability of that to be a reality. And so that's really where we focus as a, as a company is, is building technology that's autonomously 3D prints, designs, and makes a solid piece of structure for people and then be able to fly and test that and then make an even better thing. And, and so the way we automate that is obviously proprietary and, and how we're using our technology, but um, it's awe-inspiring because future, Brittany is living, you know, on Mars and she needs a rover. Instead of shipping a rover, you're going to have one of our systems on Mars that's going to actually be able to take instructions from Earth, a design that's already been proven out and thought of, and replicate that almost perfectly on another celestial body. And that's the excitement where we're not living in Star Trek anymore. We're living in, in real life. And I, I believe that's the future we're driving to get to. But none of that happens unless we can actually help lower the cost of entry to rocket and, and flight and aerospace companies. So. 
And how much would you say of your business is focused on sort of like revolutionizing manufacturing processes as they relate to the aerospace industry here terrestrially versus how much of it is focused on what additive manufacturing, as you point out, on another celestial body would be like? I will say it like this. Everything that we do for terrestrial applications is meant to go mirror that on another celestial body or in orbit. What I mean by that is, if we're going to go and tell the world that we're going to go be the first people to go 3D print a vehicle or an aerospace product on another planet, if we can't autonomously do that on our Earth first, if we can't do that with a high degree of fidelity and confidence, then there's no point in just going all out on that. Earth is a place in space as well, too, right? So this is technically a space company, even just working on products terrestrially. So everything that we do mirrors over into that long-term future and goal. And you'll see we're very focused. We say no to doing things that probably could be really interesting, but don't help us get to that goal of being able to build on different celestial bodies. It makes sense. Good to remain focused on that. So that's fantastic. And what would you say are the unique challenges that you face when developing additive manufacturing technologies for space? And how do you plan to ensure the safety and reliability of manufacturing processes in those harsh space environments? One of the hardest things that I think we've learned and, and we're doing right now building our tech is we're building a effectively a manufacturing, we call it less of a printer and more of a manufacturing platform that can build things 20 feet at a time in diameter by 20 feet tall. So massive things are getting put together. And that's it is a challenge in itself, right? Additive manufacturing and scaling that isn't something that prior to relativity has been seen in the market, right? So there's very few people doing it, very few expertise that can allow that to happen. And because our technology is not just focused on printing large things, but we're actually able to print a large thing and then integrate things into itself, right, for a high level of autonomy, we're not talking about printing parts. We're talking about making entire products. And that's never been done before in additive manufacturing. And that becomes less of additive manufacturing and more of like this hybrid, weird manufacturing process. And so being able to have that high level of autonomy to be able to make an entire product as opposed to a part at a time that people are then going to have to join together. And there's going to be a touch of tons of high point labor. It's, it's not just us redesigning how things are made so you can be printed. It's redesigning it so how things can be produced and assembled and used, right? I think that's difficult. You know, we're very much visionaries, but that's the way things are going to have to be built in space when you can't, you know, have 5,000 people walk out in spacesuits and and try to do some of the heavy lifting itself. So that's the cool thing that we're doing, but it's also the most challenging. And also building on other planets means you're going to have to have a high amount of data to actually feed into changing your, you know, your build conditions in order to adjust for the atmospheres and the conditions and yeah, at other planets. And, and I think the interesting thing for that is we've already started with that problem in mind and we're adapting additive technologies for Earth. And, and the idea is with the high amount of autonomy of, of what we're building and the data that we're collecting from not only prints, but also just some next level, we have a really advanced uh, material science team. That's the kind of data that you're going to need to be able to adapt and start learning from whatever celestial body or orbit that you're printing from. So it's really basically just using a ton of the data that we're already collecting and, and understanding how can that be tweaked and how can you build, I would almost call it an ML base, right, to adjust for geographic locations in the solar system. What do you envision as potentially some of those first products that Additive Space Technologies is going to be able to manufacture in space? We've actually been working with a satellite company on 
being able to build fuel reserve tanks in orbit, right? So things that, let's say you want to storage a large amount of liquid, instead of having this product that has to be in line with a rocket, because rockets are pretty much symmetrical, right down the middle, there might be benefits to building something that's that's non-symmetrical, right? And so putting that in a rocket and having to figure out center of gravity and such like that is quite difficult. So being able to print something that's optimized for that use case as opposed to just having something that's optimized for your your method of transportation is massive. And so for us, those are some of the applications that we're looking at where it's the weird things that have shapes that traditionally would not be manufacturable with traditional manufacturing. So printing makes the most sense and it's the cheapest and fastest thing that gets you the highest performance as well. Too. So there's that. I think more terrestrially, we're looking and we're, we're starting to do some things in the hypersonic realm where, you know, you have a very complex type of aerospace vehicles that might one day be able to go runway to orbit, right, and start challenging some of the rocket regimes. People, first of all, need to go build hardware that, you know, has never existed before beyond a sketch from, you know, the 70s. It's interesting where 3D printing has now allowed you to say, hey, maybe that idea isn't so crazy because we can build it at scale now and it's just as cheap as trying to go and figure out how to make a more traditional looking piece of hardware. That's the exciting thing. I think we call ourselves internally, like we think we're like like an alien company almost because like the hardware that's going to come out of here is very much like not aerospacey in terms of like the traditional looks for things. But from the optimization standpoint of additive, that's the best usage of the technology, right? So no digs on anyone, but 3D printed plane, for example, doesn't look like a normal plane. It's very different in terms of how you manufacture it, but also how you design it because you're designing for the process. And I think that's what we're excited about is bringing that level of innovation that we've already seen at like the smaller scale to much bigger things. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting because I had not previously thought about that. Additive manufacturing in many ways is like, most optimized, as you said, you know, almost with like more of a custom project that's just kind of non-standard. And also interesting, as you point out, like what that potentially opens up in terms of opportunities for the future of aerospace and space-based manufacturing as well. And now a quick word from our gold sponsor, Multiverse Media. We are currently witnessing the birth of a robust, sustainable economy within cislunar space. What is cislunar space? Well, it's the part of space that ranges from low Earth orbit out to geostationary orbit and then beyond toward the moon's surface. This cislunar economy will involve a much more interconnected paradigm for space development. For a snapshot and user guide to the players and opportunities ahead, New Space Global, a multiverse media property, has produced a report titled Cislunar Market Opportunities. To get your copy, please go to cislunar.report and use coupon code CITIZEN10 for 10% off a single user license. Thank you again to Multiverse Media for sponsoring Celestial Citizen this year. Now, back to the show. Now, also on your website, you talk about how you currently use AI and generative design to enhance the efficiency and performance of your manufacturing system. What can you share about that? Uh, Effectively, I think what's really cool about our technology is everything that we're designing for customers is actually algorithmically designed. That's a very interesting thing where basically, once again, I'm going to use you as the uh, rocket scientist example here. Brittany's trying to design a very specific thing that has to fit in the bounding box of performance, temperature, and a bunch of other requirements. We're able to tell the computer, hey, this is what 
like Brit is trying to design for, make it so it's 3D principle and it fits within these requirements. It will literally throw us the best opportunity, the best five-ish options for a structure to print, and then we'll go print that. And what's interesting is it's, it's not only just the printability, but we talk a lot about having self-assembly to actually make a fullized product. So it's not just the best way of, hey, saying, what's the best product that I can make for Britain that's fits in the bounded boxes and principle. It's also like, how can I also put this together autonomously in the cell? And that's like the super cool opportunity. And, and the idea is because we've been able to use 3D printing and assembly techniques to make that time from idea to product shortened, you go test it or you go fly it and you can feed that data back into our system and make an even better thing for half the price or less. Because now you've understood the manufacturing methodologies, there's less NRE time for engineering and you get a better product faster and cheaper than the first thing that you made that was already 3D printed and quite optimized. And so it's this crazy idea of of this flywheel that every time that you build and you fly, because you're using this technique, you get rewarded with a better product. And that's really how we're kind of using some of the ML stuff. And that's why, like we talked about earlier, some of that data that we're collecting is quite important for us so that we can actually start to help the system make assumptions on things should look like and how they should look like at different conditions. So um, it's just one of the tools in the in the tool belt that we're putting together. And it's really proprietary to us. And it's awesome. <laughs> I love our stuff. <laughs> Amazing. It's really like, I mean, I know everyone's talking about this, but just in the last couple of months, AI, I feel like has just radically transformed the way that we design things, we build things, we think about things. And so it's a very useful tool. And so it's interesting how you all are kind of integrating that. So can you discuss, and maybe you can, that's fine, but can you discuss any partnerships or collaborations, or if not current ones, perhaps, you know, you want to put it out there into the universe, some that you hope to form over the next year? I have to be um, a little careful about what we talk through. I will say we are building hardware right now for our hypersonics company. We're not just designing tech now. We're actually like using our V1 of our printers and our hardware to actually like make real things for people. And I will say it's kind of weird because not even a year ago, we weren't a company yet, right? So we entered Techstars and really built this thing in September of 2023. And and now we're in April and we're building like hardware for people. So I will wait, you know, we'll save the press a little bit here for that moment, but it's cool that we're working on some real things with people. In the future, I do see more collaborations. What we kind of hope to do is, is to actually have collaborations with rocket companies eventually. You know, the space industry right now needs to heal from some of the um, the hardship that it just took. But our company is a space-focused company. And one of the things that we see is just because you're a launch company doesn't necessarily mean you're a rocket company or you're good at that, right? And so we're hoping to actually help improve and build up the space economy so that we can get to this vision of living and working in space faster. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, the best piece of advice you've ever received as an entrepreneur and also the worst piece of advice you've ever received. I remember when I was in Techstars, the best piece of advice I ever got was I should be as gracious in defeat as I am in my highs and my successes. And I didn't really understand that. But this individual who's awesome and he's now on our cap table he meant it like you know like obviously when you go and raise funding you know the first conversations you have unless they're your best friends it's it's just going to be rough and you need to learn how to tell the story and tell it clearly and depict a vision and he was saying it more along the lines of like you know if someone rejects you because they're not funding you it's not necessarily a super bad reflection or, or even a bad thing like don't like just ghost them or, or leave like be able to respond, ask for feedback, and then like have conversations with them to further that relationship because fundraising is relationship building and everything that we do at our company with our stakeholders is very relationally. 
And so it's funny enough that those people that said no to me that I was thinking of um, when we talked, they actually came on to join our round um, that we're in currently. So great piece of advice, I would say, of being genuine and, you know, when things go wrong, you know, be super gracious in that to people and be patient. What's the worst piece of advice? Um, the worst piece of advice that I have is I think this guy was just trying to quote Nike to me, but he's like, yo, you know, just do it. Just make a decision quickly and and get over it. And I think there's times like you have to make a decision, but like sometimes like things have to be calculated. And I just think his thing is like, you know, you think more than like, he said something yeah. like, if you think more than like 15 seconds on a decision, you've already messed up. And it's like, no, I, you know, I like to like gather all the information and you know, I like to be a little calculated in how we do things. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting, I would say that's a bad piece of advice for sure. Okay. And now as listeners of Continuum Podcast know well at this point, we like to close out our episodes with our friend ChatGPT. So this next set of questions were the results of a prompt to ChatGPT to send over some rapid fire and spicy questions for a founder in the space industry. With full disclosure, I think that I seriously confused our little AI friend here. But regardless, here we go. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay. If your company was a character in a Marvel movie, which character would it be? Oh, Iron Man, hands down. Next question, easy. (laughs) (laughs) If you could send any celebrity on a one-way trip to Mars, who would it be? Am I going with them or it's just just send anyone? Oh, interesting. I don't know. I read into it like you're sending them away because you dislike them. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is someone you'd like to travel with. I will say probably me and Peter Thiel will take a nice, you know, multi-month journey to Mars. I want to I want to pick his brain about some things. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Amazing. Okay. Do you think Elon Musk is more Tony Stark or Lex Luthor? <laughs> we had this debate the other day. Not Elon, don't 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 hate me. For this. We really? Yeah, we did. We did. We were on the drawing board making like lists of like. Anyway, I'm gonna go Lex Luthor, um, and that's not a bad thing. Lex Luthor is very like inventive. You know, yeah. he's got that he's got that energy. Smart guy. Did a lot of bad things too. <laughs> anyway, it's oh, that's funny. Okay craziest idea you've heard of for a space startup one of the first people we talked to (laughs) for our company was like he's like you guys should three print space planes that send trash towards the sun and i was like "Uh, wow not really not really that's wild maybe somebody else but but we're not we're not doing that fun guy was just a crazy uh expectation i would say yeah, that is a really interesting idea. I've never heard of anyone propose that before. Wow. When you dig into it, it's not, it's not such a good idea. <laughs> Just throw all your trash at the sun. I don't even really know what would happen to it in that case. I mean, obviously it would burn up, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah, that seems interesting. All right, moving on from that idea. If your company could have any celebrity spokesperson, who would it be? I think me and Tony Stark could do some damage together, so... Uh... It's so Robert Downey Jr., you know? <laughs> Don't print him a fake Iron Man. You know, Man I, I feel like I've heard that he, like, occasionally... I think he... Did he go to, like, a Mars Society conference? I hope I'm not spreading fake news right now. But I feel <laughs> like I saw that there was some event, like, some space event. And I was like, is he really, like... Or maybe it was somebody from Iron... I don't know. Anyway, I got to dig into this before I put this out into the into the world. But I feel like I might not be making it up that he's actually kind of intrigued by, like, space companies. So may may have a shot at it. I don't know. You got to reach out. 
right? Robin, if you're listening to this, you can uh, you have an open invite here in California to visit us. So I'll tell you what, if Robert Downey Jr. is listening to this podcast right now, like I that would make me very happy. So <laughs> that would be great. Hopefully awesome. he is. Okay. If aliens made contact with your startup, how would you prepare for the first intergalactic business deal? I also just want to remind everyone listening here. I did not write these. These come from ChatGPT, which I find fascinating. So anyway, so how would you prepare for that first intergalactic business deal? You know, it's funny. I was going to say, oh, we would probably like come strapped. But no, that's a lie. Because if they made it here, they have anything way more advanced than what we have. So I'm going to take them to my favorite Chinese restaurant, which happens to be in L.A., get them a nice, you know, nice plate of fried rice, tell them this is the best humanity has to offer, and then... I would honestly come with a list of questions. I'm like, how'd you do it? Like, like how'd you get a spaceship this far so quick? How'd you come undetected? So, yeah. So it's like, you know, food and food is like a good unlocker for, I think, for most beings in this, uh, this realm of reality. All right. If Jeff Bezos were a character in The Office, oh, God, yeah. which character do you think he would be most like? Yeah, that man's not clowning around either. Like, so we can't just give us a radical answer here. In my mind, I've like, already come up with the answer to this question but i'm also kind of like very curious to see what you come up with and see if we're on the same page here i feel like like i've seen him like have like genuine laughter on youtube so i would say like maybe like a gym almost of just like just like like have a little bit of like like whoa wow i mean jim is like the best character on the show so that's like a high compliment okay he seems very determined and very, like, focused on his objectives. So I was actually thinking Dwight. Whoa. Right? Like, think whoa. about, like, Dwight was, like, on a mission. You know what I mean? But did he succeed on his mission, though? That's the question. Well, did anyone on The Office? I don't know. I mean, I guess Jim did. Jim and Pam, that turned out pretty good. But definitely not Michael. Definitely not Michael. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, all right. Interesting to think about, yeah, recasting the characters in the office as space people. Okay, would you rather live on the ISS for a year or on the moon for a month? Oh, moon for a month, yeah. I mean, so, like, a lot of people go to the ISS, well, a lot, but to say you've, like, touched the thing that everyone sees every day, but only, like, under, I think, yeah, under 24 people have definitely been to the moon, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that would just be radical. Like Also, the ISS, like, pretty cramped. I mean, of course, we don't really know what our habitat would look like on the moon, but in this particular question, but yeah, I think I'm with you. Like I want to experience like another space environment that's not just like vacuum of space or a space station. Or right, like right. So, well, and obviously, yeah, no one wants to experience the vacuum of space. unless No, <laughs> no. And, but I think what would be cool would be to like take a picture of like earth from like looking, you know what I mean? Like, like on the moon mm-hmm. and you can like see earth kind of like far away but close enough where it's like super big like think about how many likes that would get on instagram like it'd just be a one of a kind photo honestly see but for me i'm like i would love to see the two martian moons right like imagine being on mars and seeing two moons like that would just be like mind-blowing i think i honestly we should send artists to space first like seriously like to go capture like those moments of like seeing things like two moons totally true yeah Okay, would you rather have an AI robot as your co-founder? No disrespect to your current co-founder, of course. But would you rather have an AI robot as your co-founder or a Martian as your mentor? Well, the Martian would be in person. We'd have to ask ChatGPT. Should I ask Chat? I'll ask it right now. Ask okay, ChatGPT. Let's go, yeah. let's go in there. 
Let's yeah. do it. All right. So what is your question for ChatGPT? In this case, is the Martian going to mentor me in person or is this like a FaceTime call from Mars? Like, Is the Martian an in-person mentor or is this like virtual, I'll say a virtual relationship? How about that? There we go. It'd be like a 15 All right, let's see what delay. it says. Yeah. Okay, so ChatGPT says the question doesn't specify whether the Martian mentor is in-person or virtual. Thank you. We know that. So it's up to the interpretation of the person being asked the question. The question could be answered based. Okay. Yeah, see, no. You... See, no, that, that's enough. This is why I would take the Martian over the AI because these are the conversations that I would have daily on mentorship and <laughs> co-founderness. So, you know, like, Ooh, <laughs> give me the Martian. Burn, ChatGPT. <laughs> I, I don't trust the, uh, you know, the AI super <laughs> <laughs> oh my god amazing yeah ChatGPT just totally killed their chances of being co-founder so there you go sometimes i find myself getting like frustrated with ChatGPT, and then i have to remind myself i'm like you're getting frustrated <laughs> with ai like you need to stop but it's true like sometimes it's like very unfulfilling answers okay would you rather find evidence of intelligent life on another planet or discover a new habitable planet yeah, now nah, we're going to the habitable planet because if it's habitable, there's a possibility there might be life on there as well, too. So and I think what's wrong with having like two societies like connected Earth and this other habitable place. So I think it would be kind of cool. I think also people have said this and I always like kind of agree with them on it. It's that like if we find intelligent life somewhere else, like we don't know that it's going to like us or that like it's not going to end badly for the humans here on earth. So uh, yeah, always an interesting consideration. Okay. Last one. Would you rather have a holographic office or a zero gravity office? I'm not going to correct ChatGPT that it should probably be microgravity, but that's fine. (laughs) We'll go with it for now. So holographic or zero gravity office? Once again, questions here. Does holographic mean everything is holographic (laughs) or am I holographic? Like I'm trying to. (laughs) You might be. Yeah. You might, especially after you just burn Chad GPT, they're going to like turn you into a hologram and just. <laughs> oh man, the aliens are here. I like to like fidget a lot, like when I do things, like when I'm working at my desk. So maybe like yeah. microgravity would actually be better. Like, you know, like give me something to do. I'm kind of like floating with my laptop, you know, doing 360s. On yeah. I wonder if I would be sick though. I think microgravity office would be cooler. Also, right, like I know it's only temporary, but I would love to grow a little bit. I'm like only 5'4". So I'd really like to gain an <laughs> inch or two, you know, like right. so microgravity, at least while you're up there, right? Like all those astronauts, they grow a little bit and then they shrink when they come back down to Earth or, or at least shrink back to their original size. But anyway, well, again, folks, that was ChatGPT. That was not yours truly. So anyway, we will continue to have these interesting conversations and just see where they lead. But always fun. And thank you, Olu, for joining us today on the CEO Spotlight Series and letting our listeners get to know you and your company, Additive Space Technologies, a little bit better. Thank you so much, Brittany, for having me. Definitely a fun time today. This episode of Celestial Citizen Podcast is in part sponsored by the Colorado School of Mines Space Resources Program. This first-of-its-kind interdisciplinary program offers certificate, Master of Science, and PhD degrees for professionals around the world interested in the emerging field of extraterrestrial resources. The program focuses on developing core knowledge and design practices for effective and responsible identification, extraction, 
and use of resources in the solar system to enhance space exploration and enable the new space economy. To learn more about the MIND Space Resources Program, educational opportunities, and research activities, check out its webpage at space.minds.edu. Thank you again to the Colorado School of Mines Space Resources Program for your sponsorship this year. And as a reminder, if you want to check out our original features, head to our website, www.continuum-hq.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at continuum.hq and Twitter at continuum underscore hq. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast by subscribing to the paid version of our Substack newsletter so you can stay up to date with what's going on in space. Tune in two weeks from now to keep up to date with all the cool stuff happening up there in that big, beautiful cosmos we're all floating around in. This is Continuum, one giant leap every other week.